Good morning, everybody. Come on, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Hope you came ready to praise the Lord. We got sunshine outside, and we got the sun, S-O-N, shining in here. Amen. So let's all stand, if you would. And uh, we're going to start off by praising the Lord and trying to wake everybody up. Your love awakens me. Amen. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love 
next song. Brother Chris is going to lead us on this one. Come on.
good fellowship. If you would, you can find your place and go ahead and be seated. We've got just a few announcements, and it is so good to see all of you this morning. I'm going to ask you to continue to pray. We still got lots of sick people. I got uh, several texts and phone calls this morning just saying people that have uh, just are sick with other stuff. Some have tested positive for COVID, just all kinds of stuff. But we ain't going to let the devil have the victory, are we? Amen. Uh, we are we are going to uh, persevere, and I hope we're on the downhill side of this. I believe as the weather starts to get a little bit warmer, everybody will, uh, will at least uh, have already had it, or just uh, we'll start seeing it go downfall, amen. And so uh, we want you to, uh, but keep praying for those that are sick. Uh, some get seriously, some are seriously sick, some are just uh, more like a, just a cold or a um, flu or just something like that, so... Uh, just continue to pray, though, for our folks, especially our church family folks, to just get well and be, be able to be back with us. Amen. Uh, do we have any visitors this morning? We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to get a record of your visit. Uh, do we have a visitor right there? All right. Awesome. Brother Gary's going to bring you a visitor card. Just fill that out. Put it in the offering basket on your way out. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? First time? All right. Awesome. Well, it's good to see everybody today. And uh, just a few announcements. Don't forget Wednesdays, I want to always kind of put a plug out for Wednesdays. Wednesday morning, we have a Bible study from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. It's in the Fellowship Hall, so if you're free and not working or uh, able to be here, come on Wednesday morning, uh, always uh, a wonderful time. And then Wednesday nights, we have a full program here. You don't even have to fix dinner. You can come here, and Miss Mary Kidd fixes dinner for us, and so we've got full dinner. Yes, always does a great job. Give her a hand. And uh, so 6 o'clock, we have a full dinner, and then at 7 o'clock, uh, we have the whole building full of uh, teenagers meet in here and have a service. Kids meet in the middle and have a service, and then the adults, we meet in the fellowship hall and have Bible study. So come on Wednesday nights if you hadn't, you, you will enjoy it. Don't forget also, we do Sunday school every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for all ages here, so just come an hour earlier. Uh, the giving statements for 2021 are on the back back there, so if you've not picked yours up yet, you can go through those and find yours. Uh, also, just uh, kind of a plug on that, giving can be done live in an envelope. You can write a check, put in cash, uh, the old-fashioned way, we'll call it. Uh, but guess what? There's a new way of giving. A lot of people don't even carry cash or checks with them anymore. So you can also give by doing this. You can go to giving.landmarktyler.com. And you set it up one time, and then it's easy after that to do it again, all right? Uh, so you can give online now. Uh, we have a Super Bowl party here today. Brother JT, give Brother JT a big hand, our AV guy. He has set us up where we're going to have, we're going to be surrounded by the Super Bowl in here, amen? You see all these TVs? You got three here. You got one in the back. You can face any direction you want to and watch that Super Bowl, all right? And uh, we'll have it coming through the sound system, so it'll be good. If you don't want to watch the Super Bowl... You can come and stick yourself in the fellowship hall, amen, and uh, th th we're going to play games back over there. We have some folks that want to come but don't necessarily want to watch the game. You can do that and uh, come, and uh, we're going to have finger foods and uh, stuff. Uh, sign up for that if you would, uh, just so we know how many's coming. There's a sign-up sheet at the back table back there. That's going to start at 5, show up at 5, and I believe kickoff is around 5.25, 5.30. So uh, come at 5, and we'll eat, and then we'll sit down and watch the Super Bowl. Uh, don't forget today also, life recovery class. Brother Tracy, raise your hand. Brother Tracy Cantlin, give him a big hand, is going to be teaching our life recovery class. That's a 12-week class uh, on all kinds of things. 
And you may say, well, I don't have any addictions. Well, lying is one of them then, all right? Because, uh, listen, we all have addictions, don't we? All, my, my theory is all sin is an addiction. So uh, you struggle with one thing, I struggle with another thing. But we all need help, amen? Maybe yours is uh, anger, or maybe yours is bitterness, or, you know, it can be all sorts of things. Uh, so please come. This is really just a thing on how to get past all those things in our life and how to not let our past ruin our present and our future, amen? So uh, Brother uh, Tracy has all the books. Uh, got everything they need, right? All they got to do is show up. So 2 o'clock today is the first class, all right? And if you haven't uh, said anything about it yet, just see Brother Tracy or myself. We'll get you set up for today. Today is the very beginning, all right? So we're going to meet here at 2 o'clock, and they'll be in one of the classrooms over here, all right? So uh, don't miss out on that. And I believe that is all of the announcements. Did I miss anything, Miss Julie? No, you didn't. But I want us to pray for Miss Melba. Yes, yes. Uh, most of you Grace Point people will know Miss Melba better than some of the Landmark people, but Miss Melba used to come, and her and my mama would sit uh, over here. And Miss Melba had to stop coming because her COPD got worse and worse. And she called me yesterday and said, said Brother Mark, I'm in the hospital with COVID. And uh, she, because she has really bad COPD already, they're just uh, giving her lots of oxygen. And so she just asked if we would stop and have special prayer for her. Uh, she is such a sweet lady. She's a prayer warrior. And she has prayed for many of y'all. So I believe we ought to return the favor. Amen. And pray for her. So let's just stop uh, just a moment and pray for Miss Melba, okay? Father, we love you, and we do just want to lift up Miss Melba C. Groves. God, we love her so much, and she's been so faithful to you over the years, been faithful to your church, been faithful to be a strong prayer warrior for you, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that, God, you would touch her body. Lord, I know that you are the God over everything, including the God over COVID, Lord. And so, God, I just want to pray that you just take that out of her body, Lord, just get a quickly heal her. I pray that you give her a 100% recovery. Lord, strengthen her lungs, strengthen her oxygen levels. And God, I pray that, Lord, uh, I know that it's not beyond you to make it where Miss Melba can come and be here with us again. And I pray for that, God, that we could see Miss Melba walk through those back doors and come in here and worship with us, Father God. And so I pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray for all of those in our family, our church family, God, that are struggling with COVID and with uh, bronchial problems and uh, respiratory problems God and just so many things with the weather going up and down and cold and hot and uh, Lord I just pray that God you just bring all that Lord bring a pandemic to an endemic God and end it right here Father God and Lord we just pray God for those who have been away from us for a long time I pray that God you'd bring them back into our fold and back into our family where we can love on them in person once again we love you thank you for everyone who's here today God I pray that Lord you would bless us and keep us in your presence, Lord, in this place today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Let's stand up one more time, and uh, we're going to sing a song. Shine among us, His glory reigns. 
may be seated. song one other time I introduced it to you called reason to praise we have a reason to praise at all times when you're down and you're depressed you let your circumstances take you down you just need to stop and praise him it works every time how many of you done that how many of you know that when you praise him you don't think about that stuff that's what we need to do at all times sing this together
about the goodness of God. Let's sit 
thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, thank you for your love for us. And God, how can we ever repay you? You've been far better to us than we deserve. And so, Lord, I just pray that, God, you would move in an incredible way now. God, as we transition from worshiping you through praise and worship through music, Lord, we want to praise and worship you through the preaching of your word today, God. And Lord, I just want to pray for Brother Kelly as he comes and he preaches this morning, God. And I pray that, God, you would use him in an incredible way, God. Would you just, God, speak through him the message that we need to hear this morning, Father. Lord, I love you and I praise you. Thank you for, God, everything you've done in this place, the miracles that you have performed in this place. And we pray, God, that you would continue, Lord, to just perform miracles in this place. Let us see a great move of your spirit and a great move of you, God, uh, just performing miracles in this place. Change lives, and God, change hearts, and bring people towards the gospel and towards the cross. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You've got children. You can send them on to Children's Church. They will meet you at the doors over here. So uh, we've got wonderful children's workers. Give our children's workers a big hand, as always, uh, for just... Uh, doing wonderful things through uh, for our kids. Amen. Well, as I said, Brother Kelly Allen is going to come and he's going to share with you this morning. So if you would give Brother Kelly a big uh, hallelujah this morning. Amen. Good morning. Woo. Try it again. Good morning. Act like you're in God's house this morning. There's a reason to get up and praise, right? We got to get happy. Let's get Pentecostal. Well, it's kind of a different switch for me, but uh, most of you have been to some of my classes, and I'm not going to try to teach this morning. What I'm trying to do is preach and teach at the same time. Most of mine has been uh, on prophecy, and I'm not going to go full bore into that today. What I want to do is to address what we're facing in this world today. We're faced with a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of confusion. There's a lot of mistrust and hopelessness in the world right now. It's even in the church. So I want to spend time addressing these things and the things that are causing so much derision, the things that we need to face in the body of Christ, but we have hope, and our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's already done for us, what he's doing for us now, and what he's about to do. The, the title of my sermon I put as, How Shall We Then Live? And this is kind of borrowed from Francis Schaeffer. But the subtitle up underneath it is, What God Has Done, He Will Do Again. I'd like for you to turn, if you got your Bibles, whether hard copies, electronic copies, however you got it, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting with verse 17. If you don't have it, look up here on the screens and it'll be right there for you. And it's Moses talking to the nation of Israel and it's kind of like his farewell song he's telling them 
These are the things that God is doing. This is the things that God has already done. And this is what you need to remember. It's applicable to our church today. And in one instance, this one thing that God spoke to me about is what I want to address today. Starting at verse 17, he says, if you should say in your heart, hang on to that. These nations are greater than I. How can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. The great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out, so shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, we're asking for wisdom. We're asking for knowledge and understanding and a discerning heart, especially, Lord, in the times that we live in. Father, I ask that you bind and you banish the spirits of fear, anxiety, anger, and rage and bring us the peace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding through Christ Jesus. And always, Lord, always, we look forward to the blessed appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. What in the world is going on? Today, we're facing challenges in our everyday life that some of us have never experienced. And it's not that these things weren't there in the past. They were. But they were kind of hit and miss spotty. So we didn't have the confluction that we have today, the, the, the binding that we're seeing today, the density of it. There's definitely something wrong and we can all feel it. It's like a dark cloud that's hanging over everything and everyone. Those who are walking with Christ can feel the change, not only in people that are out on the outside, but the people that are in the world, I mean in the church right now. There's anger, division, hate, deception, division. It permeates the atmosphere like some dense fog. And you see it not just in the people, but you see it actually in the world right now. The increase of earthquakes, the weather that goes crazy, the volcanoes erupting. Everything is in culmination for what we call the last days. Romans 8.22 says that the whole creation groans, aches for the appearing of the sons of God. And Romans 8.23 says that we ourselves are groaning within ourselves, waiting for his appearing. You see the signs of the times by the way that people are acting. You can tell in Society today is broken down. It's not like when I was a kid where a man's handshake and his word was good enough. Today, there is so much evil in the world, and it's manifesting itself more and more as we go along. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 1, Paul's writing to Timothy. He said, I want you to understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty or troubles. 
And he said, for people will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power and avoid such people. Over 1,900 years ago, Paul wrote down these 19 things that are kind of like a punch list that you can go through to see how humanity has now become. There's other scriptures that address it in Romans 1, 18 through 32, and Matthew 24, 1 through 4. I'm not going to go into them. We don't have time today. Some of you are very familiar with them. Write them down. Go back and look. The Bible never contradicts itself, and Paul didn't contradict himself either when he was speaking of it. Narcissism, the lovers of the self, it's rampant. Social media. The love of money is truly the root of all evil, and it seems like anybody's either concerned with either money or power these days. Pride, arrogance, people abusing one another both physically and verbally. Children no longer honoring their parents and becoming increasingly violent. Just go down the list and turn on the news. It's telltale. This is the tr this is the true worldwide epidemic that you see in the world today. It's sin. That's the epidemic. It's been around now since Adam and Eve, but it's grown to a worldwide pandemic now. It's it's the problem. The problem is not. I won't go there. It's not political differences. The problem is the heart. That's what's wrong with people. It's their heart. Their hearts are wrong, so they're wrong. And their focus is on themselves instead of on God. Let me go to the next one. This chart is from the Pew Research Poll conducted in 2020. And just a glance at it, will tell you that the church, the true Bible-believing, inerrant word, washed in the blood of the Lamb church, is in trouble. And it's not fulfilling the great commission of God as a whole. Even, even though more than 70% of Americans identify as Christians, not all that 70% is grounded in sound biblical doctrine. And for that matter... Have they had a true salvation experience with Christ? That same poll says that 30%, 33% of American adults include 30% of those who identify as Christian. They believe in reincarnation. Most glaring of all is that roughly 25% of the ones that are considered nuns up there, the nuns, not the Catholic nun, the nuns, the agnostics, the atheists, those who profess to have at one time, a faith in Christ, but have now denied it and walk away from it. 25% of those uh, they're the ones that have walked away from the church because of doctrine, because of the heart. They've got a problem. 71% of mainline church, Protestants, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, 
they no longer believe in the virgin uh, they do believe in the virgin birth so at least 29 percent of them that don't even believe in the virgin birth folks if you don't have a virgin birth you don't have a savior you don't have a jesus christ who came to be the savior of the world because he was sinless you don't have it I don't know what those 29% are believing in, but it ain't the same Jesus that I believe in. And those nines, only 17% believe in the virgin birth. And I don't even know why they even believe it if they don't even believe in the Lord God. Next one. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 2-4 through four says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets that you should remember. And the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own simple desires. They'll say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. It's funny, in that same LifeWave research poll, less than half of the ministers and pastors in America now believe in any type of rapture of the church. It also shows that less than 35% of evangelical Christians believe in an actual rapture. They don't believe in a coming back. So who are these scoffers that Peter is talking about here? Well, we might say, well, that's the people outside the church. It may surprise you to know or from what I believe and what God has shown me in his word. These people aren't just people in the outside world. These are the ones that are sitting in the church pews. They're scoffers. They say, well, you said back in you know, 1988, there was a guy that wrote 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988, and we're still here. And in 2000, and in 2008, and so on and so forth, and Jesus still ain't come back, so, you know... Where is the promise of his coming? Why are most of these folks Christians? Well, what I believe they are is because of what it says. They say, where is the promise of his coming? They know the word of God. They know there is a coming. So they say, where is that promise? They, haven't, they may have a head knowledge of the word of God, but they don't have a heart knowledge. They don't truly believe in what the Word of God says. They think everything in prophecy is either allegorical or symbolic. They no longer seek the truth. But just like I said in 2 Timothy a while ago in chapter 3, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Okay, you already there. Boy, you ahead of me. You good. So... How do we live as Christians in a world like this? Where even the people that we may be sitting next to in church don't believe everything that is written down in that word of God is the truth. What do we do? Well, it starts, number one, up here with the man that stands behind the pulpit. He's got a job to do, and that's to not convince you, but to convict you that is the word of God and everything is written in it is true and then the other people are the teachers that teach from the nursery back there through Sunday school all the way up to the youth ministers they have a responsibility to make sure that 
the belief of the people that they're teaching is solid and doctrine is sound. Because we that are teachers and pastors will be held to a higher account. So we better be telling them what the truth is. And we better not be spreading lies or what we think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what Mark thinks or Martin thinks. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God thinks. And it matters that we speak what he thinks. We got to live by faith. We don't live by sight. Now, what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. That's faith defined. Hebrews 11 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For without faith, you, mu you must first believe that when you come to him, that he is who he says he is. And that he is faithful to reveal himself to you. That's faith. And it takes faith to please God. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's another problem. There's not enough there's not enough time spent with the Lord every day in the normal Christian's life. I'm not speaking to everyone, but you know that I'm, what I'm speaking is the truth. Because we get so busy in our lives and in our world that we don't take time to spend it with the Lord. I have said this over and over again uh, to the classes that I teach. When you saw that woman or that guy when you was falling in love with that person, what did you do? You spent time with that person. You got to know that person. The more you knew them, the more you what? You fell in love with them because you found out everything about them was just everything that you wanted in that other important person in your life, that soulmate, if that's what you want to call it. Well, the same thing goes with God. How are you going to know him if you don't spend time with him? <laughs> we can't just tick a box, folks. We can't just get up and say, okay, this first 30 minutes in the morning, I'm going to do my devotional, I'm going to give him 10 minutes of prayer, and then i got to go to work. If that's all you think about the one who died on a cross and shed his blood for you, then you got a heart problem. I think more of someone that I love than that to give them whatever spare time I got. Faith does come by hearing. And hearing does come by the word of God. But you know what else? Faith also comes by what God has already done for you. Faith is acquired what God has already done in our lives. Remember what God has already done for you. Go ahead, next one. Back to Deuteronomy 7. He says, you shall not be afraid of them. You shall remember well what the Lord, your God, did. Do we remember? Do we remember what God has done for us in our lives? 
Do you remember how the things you were so worried about, they never even came to pass? Do you remember the fear that you had that something was going to happen and it never did? Let me give you some advice. You remember that guy named Job back there in the Old Testament? You know how one day Satan and the rest of the angels came before God? And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, yeah, I know him, but you've got a hedge around him. I, and, you know, if you took that down and I messed with him, he'd curse you to your face. God said, okay, go ahead. Take everything he's got. And he was rich. This man was rich. So Satan did. He went and took his kids. He went and took his crops. He went and took everything that Job owned. <laughs> but Job didn't curse God. And he said, naked into this world I came and naked I'll leave. And then here comes Satan again. On another day, what happened? He said, well, yeah, that's okay. You know, those possessions didn't mean much. But you touch him and he'll curse you to your face. He said, go ahead. Go right ahead. So Satan put balls from his toes from the bottom of his feet to his head. Job never cursed. Job questioned, but he never cursed God. Even when his wife came and said, just curse God and die. When his friend said, hey, you sinned. Why don't you just admit your sin and go ahead and ask God to forgive you? Job said, I didn't sin. And he didn't understand. But Job did say something. He said, even, Lord, if you kill me, I'll still trust you. My point about that story is Satan didn't come to Job and say, hey, I'm fishing to kill your kids and take all your crops. No, he didn't. He just went and did it. He didn't say, I'm going to come and put an affliction on you that man has never seen, and you're going to lay there while the dogs look your sores, and your wife and your friends are going to turn on you. He didn't come to him speaking into his ear the things he was about to do. He just went and did it. Here's the thing about Satan. If God says, you keep your hand off my kid, Satan says, well, I'll just go tell him what I'm going to do to him, but I really can't. Satan will never start. He will never tell you when he's coming. He'll just come and do it. But he will lie in your ear and tell you things that ain't never going to happen because God says, that's my child, that's my anointed. You keep your hands off of him. So when fear comes around and Satan comes around, you need to do what God tells you to do. Call him a liar and tell him to get behind me. You have no place in my life. I am a child of the Most High God. Of the King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm an heir and joint heir with Christ. Use the sword of the Spirit, which Paul talked about in Ephesians. That's why it's important to memorize verses. 
We walk around with the armor of God, the belt of truth, shutting our feet with the gospel of peace, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. But a lot of us are leaving that sword laying over in a corner. And we have nothing to fight against Satan with. That's why it's important to read the word of God and remember it. Remember it. Pick up the sword and fight. Don't take it laying down. Remember how impossible the situation looked, but God. My two favorite words in the whole Bible is but God. In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph told his brothers when they thought after Jacob had died that Joseph was going to kill them. He said, no, you meant evil for me, but God has taken me and put me in this position so that many may be saved this day. There is a lot of but God moments in my life. And I bet there's a lot of them in your life too. Write those things down when they happen. Those but God moments and go back when things are tough and you don't have any hope. Just like the song that was being sang this morning. I have a reason to praise. When there is no way, you made a way. When I was about to fall apart, you put everything back together again. God is ready to do that for his kids. He is a good, good father. And he just wants to do good things for his kids. And we leave it laying on the table. When he wants to do so much. Remember the time that when you surrendered everything to him. You just said, Lord, I can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. I can't handle no more. I know the way that feels. I was feeling that way yesterday. Lord, I can't handle no more. And God said, bring it to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. For I am kind and gentle in spirit. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I admonish everyone, keep a journal. Anytime that God answers your prayers, yes, no, or even wait. Because it's something to go back to. Something that you can remember. Remember who the Lord your God is. One more. Deuteronomy 7.21 says, You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. <laughs> the church needs to remember who God is. He's the creator of the entire universe, the almighty God, the El Shaddai, the one and only God. If you forget who God is, maybe on a summer night, walk outside, lay down in the grass, and look up. When you see the stars and the, and the moon and the planets, and God holds all these things by His Word in place. We need to get, not, we'll never know how awesome and mighty and great God is until we seek Him. You, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. That's a promise from God. Isaiah 49 46, verse 9 and 10, another one of my favorite verses. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, ancient, thing, ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God is in control of everything. Don't let it get cliche when you say God is in control. Don't let it be just something you clip off. Believe it. Remember it. Nothing has, nothing ever will happen to you that God doesn't know about. Remember Matthew 6 and the parables of the birds of the air, how he takes care of them, the lilies of the field. And how much more worth are you than those? In those day, dark days of evil and wave after wave after wave of trouble breaking over the bow of your ship, remember something. You've got the rock of salvation to cling to. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Remember what God has done, and he'll do it again and again and again and again and again. Because of his great and never-ending love for you, he'll do anything and everything you ask of him if you are seeking for it in the light of his pure and perfect will. Do you want the will of God really done? Do we seek that? It's the greatest thing. Not our will. How many times have we messed things up trying to do our will? But how many times have we let God do it and it just turned out just as perfect as it could ever happen? The perfect time, the perfect people, the perfect place. That's why it's important to wait. Wait on God. Will it always come out like we want it to? Well, maybe. But remember this. God knows what is best for you. He knows he wants to do good things for you. He doesn't want harm to come to you. Jeremiah 29, I know the things that I have for you, to bless you and not to curse you, to give you a hope and a future. That sounds like someone who really wants to do some good stuff for us. If we just let him. That is where our faith, trust, and our love for him comes in. We have to do our part. Don't expect God to honor and bless anyone who does not honor and serve him out of fear, reverence, and love. God can't. If you're not going to honor him, how can he honor you? And what commandment did Jesus give as the first and greatest commandment? He said, the love of your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul. It's not hard to follow Christ if we just remember. He said, you'll love me. I know you'll love me if you'll obey me. It's not hard. It's not hard to love someone who gave himself for us. It's not hard to look upon him who was tortured, who was broken, who was nailed to a cross because of me of you and who rose again so that we could have eternal life it's not hard to love a God like that it's not hard to love a God who's waiting 
He said, it's not my will that any should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of Christ. It's not his will that any, that's why he's waiting. That's why he hasn't come back yet to take his church home. He's waiting. And what's the second greatest commandment? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, love is the greatest. Out of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. We've lost something. The church as a whole has lost the love for the lost and for each other. Considering all that God has done, consider all that he's willing to do, and considering all that he's doing right now, are you willing to, to give your heart to him without reservation? 100%. Remember all the prayers answered. Remember how God delivered you sometimes miraculously from situations that first seemed impossible. Remember the giants that fell. Remember the walls that crumbled, the waters that parted, the manna that appeared, the water that sprang from the rocks of your despair. Remember the price that was paid on Calvary's cross so we could escape the very jaws of eternal death and that was waiting for us all in the end. Remember his promises to never leave you or forsake you because the Holy Spirit of the living God came to dwell in us. What a gift that God would take up residence in someone like me and someone like you. What a gift. Child of God, look up. Lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. Don't give up now. Revelation 3.10. Talking to the church in Philadelphia, he says, I know you have but a little strength. But hold on, persevere. And I'll keep you from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world to test them. He's coming. He's coming in. Don't give up. We're almost done. We're almost done. Never stop running the race. Never stop fighting the good fight. Never let the enemy get one inch of your life. Don't let him put a foot in the door because he doesn't belong there. He has no place in your life, child of God. Tell him to get out. You've got the weapons. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And he has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. Tell Satan to get out of your life. He doesn't belong there. Be what God has made you to be, a child of the Most High God. Rejoice, O saint of God. You need to rejoice. You are highly favored. And for those of you who are still resisting the call of the Holy Spirit, I don't know who you are. Maybe there's somebody online. You still have not accepted his free gift of salvation. It's not too late. It's not too late. Here's the good news. It's called the gospel. And gospel means good news. And it's just as easy, God made it as easy as he possibly could so that we could understand it as a child. I like to use the ABCs of salvation when I'm witnessing to someone because it's simple to understand. 
Uh, the A is to admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.10 said, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. There is no one perfect, only one that walked this earth. Romans 6.23 has kind of got a, a good and a bad. The bad is the wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, so what's the wages we have to pay? The, the, end, the end result is going to be death. But he gives us hope on the other end of Romans 6.23 when he says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A gift. It's a gift. You don't have to work for it. If you work for it, it's not a gift. It's like here. If you work for it, it's wages. Ephesians says that by grace you are saved through faith, not by works. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about works. I'm sorry, those that are Catholic, you ain't going to work your way into heaven. You're not. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You're a sinner. Admit it. The B part is to believe Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not could be, not would be, not should be. You will be saved. The Romans uh, the 10, verse 10 says, with the mouth. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart. With the heart you believe unto righteousness. You're justified. And with the mouth you confess and it's made into salvation. You got to do both. You got to believe and you got to confess. There ain't no two ways around it. And the Lord says you must do it before men because if you're ashamed of me before men then I'll be ashamed of you before my father. And see, it's call on his name. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Me, you, whoever. You not could be saved. You not should be saved. You will be saved. That is the gospel, and it's so simple. Julie, come up, please. Bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for assurance. Lord, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear, Father the things that are in this world because you walk with us. Lord, you surround us. 
you carry us when times are bad. Lord, your spirit bears witness with ours that you definitely are there. Father, help us to understand that we may have wisdom, Father, to be able to apply these things to our lives. Lord, help us to have boldness and courage, Lord, to speak out for your sake and for your glory, to be a witness and a testimony for you, Lord, to please you by being obedient. Father, that we may be able to hear those words on that day when you come, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Father, for those that are going through hard times, for those things, Lord, that are in their life that is keeping them from being broken for you, Lord, I pray that you break them now. Break their hearts. Speak to them, Father, through your spirit. Let them know, Lord, you want it all. You want everything in their life. Lord, because you are worthy. For those that don't know you, Lord, I pray conviction. Father, I pray that you break their hearts. That they would take up, Lord, the free gift that you've offered so generously to us. Lord, for us all, renew the hope that is in us. The days are short. Time draws near, Lord. And to that we cry, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. We thank you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. In your son's most magnificent name, amen. just to pray at the altar. You just want to spend time doing that. That's okay this morning. If you need prayer, come before. Martin will be on this side. I'll be on this other side. If you have anything that you need to pray about, please come. Lay it all down this morning. If you don't know the Lord, come forward and pray with us. But don't leave out here today, Lord. I ask that you don't let them leave without making everything right with you. So come. The Lord says, come.
party. Let's give him a hand this morning. Thank you, Kelly.